The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Hello and welcome to Beside Still Waters. Uh, I really enjoy the time that we uh, spend together uh, dialoguing, though it, it seems a bit weird that uh, I can't hear your voice on the, you know, uh, on the other side of the microphone. But I think and pray for all those who will hear my voice and uh, that uh, these podcasts would be a means of you really um, engaging your heart to uh, reconnect, to deepen your walk with God. And, and I'm certain as that relationship uh, is enhanced and deepened and made more intimate, that God will give you opportunities to share what you are learning, not necessarily from these podcasts, but as you apply your hearts to know the living God. And today we're going to be thinking about um, uh, a very simple concept, but asking God to teach us to number our days so that we may acquire a wise heart. And uh, we're going to be going somewhere with this. Uh, my thoughts really are taken from the 90, 90th Psalm, which is written by Moses. And of course, Moses had an illustrious career, but he also had a very challenging responsibility in being the leader of the nation of Israel. And we know that they were not exactly the easiest group of folks to uh, govern and lead and uh, intercede for uh, before Jehovah. But the verse that's really uh, my, forms the basis for my primary thought is uh, verses 11 and 12 of the 90th, 90th Psalm. And it says, who, knoweth, who knows the power of your anger? and your wrath according to the fear of who you are. So teach us to number our days that we may acquire a wise heart. There are other uh, versions that say, teach us to number our days that we may acquire wisdom. But at the end of the day, the intent of the Spirit of God is that his people may grow in the wisdom and application of biblical truth and experience transformation. This has been a running theme with several of my podcasts, uh, giving uh, the people of God, the people of faith, an opportunity to see viable change and growth. And uh, this 90, 90th Psalm, has a wise heart as the end objective. Uh, we'll do a, a brief walkthrough, and at the end, I will give you a challenge 
that if you were to apply, I assure you, on the authority of God's word, that you will begin to see an immediate change in your heart, your perspectives, your application of truth. And that is exactly what I am praying for, for you and for myself. And uh, Moses begins as pointing out that God is the place, not just the person, but the place where prior generations made their habitation. And before the mountains were brought forth, before creation came into being, and before God formed the earth and the galaxies, from eternity to eternity, Jehovah is God. And there are several contrasts between the eternality of who God is and our finite nature, our transient nature. We are passing and we are dust. But here, the Spirit of God, through the hand of Moses, identifies God not so much also as a person, but as a refuge for the soul. And I want you to carefully ponder uh, what we are being told about his nature. Sometimes we approach God, uh, and we should, as a person, because he is. He has personality. We are created in his image and likeness. But I think more important is the fact that God makes himself more to us, not just a person, but a refuge, a place that I can go to that's found in his presence. And what is brought before us is his eternal nature. And by virtue of that eternal nature, that characteristic of unchanging, changingness. He occupies a unique place in our world, in our lives, in our spiritual experience. He reveals something about himself that supersedes and predates creation. He is he was and will continue to be the eternal God. And as the writer says, from eternity to eternity. But eternity implies timelessness. And with that, we can come to God as our unchanging friend, our unchanging Father our unchanging God. But we find as we, we go on in this particular narrative that we have limitations and not seeming to be insensitive, but we die. 
But God has no limits. He's limitless. He's unchanging. He's not subject to the whims of time and space. But man is not anchored. He says, you make men mortal and cause us to return to the dust. He makes the declaration, return, children of men. And Moses said, a thousand years in your sight are as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night, a three-hour window. Time has no bearing on who God is. Time for us, a thousand years, is as yesterday to God. And he says that he carries us away the way a flood would. Like we are just asleep. We're like grass. Sometimes I watch as people are manicuring their lawns and one day the grass is there a tall blade and the next day it's gone it's it's been cut down and that's what he says in the morning it flourishes and it grows up in the evening it is cut down and it withers and this withering nature of ours needs connectivity to something that is unchanging Something that is life in and of itself, that is not only the source of life, it is life. And that is God, our refuge, our dwelling place. My friends, sometimes we become like Moses when he went into the presence of God on the mount and returned to the plains where the the nation of Israel dwelt, he reflected the Shekinah glory of God, something of what God was and is. While Moses was in his presence, permeated Moses' being. And so too with us. We We flourish briefly and in a few years, 70 years perhaps, 80, we're just cut down. We, we, we wither. And we, are, we need to be connected in fellowship, in intimacy with the eternal God, the immutable God, the unchanging one, our dwelling place. Sometimes we lament the fact that we don't live our lives as we would want to. We're perhaps not as effective in our living as we desire. And we will find later on why this is so. But as Moses contrasts our nature with God because of what we are, because we are like grass, we need to remain connected. Because once we are cut down, we just wither. And I will extend the analogy by saying once we are preoccupied with things that are transient, our lives lose meaning and purpose. 
we lose sight of eternity and the very presence of God. And so as we go on in the narrative, he says we're consumed by God's anger. Now, there is a shift here, and what we need to understand about the nature of God, not only is he eternal and unchanging, but ordinarily when we see references to God's anger and we say, oh, well, God is a punitive God. No, what it is, is God is holy. He's holy, and this is a concept that is difficult for us to embrace, holiness. Such infinite, limitless purity and a clear distinction from all that is, as the scripture says, darkness. God is light, and it's hard for us. It's difficult to conceptualize what is holiness And the only times that we can have a better understanding of holiness is when we see what we characterize as the punitive or the, well, the punitive nature of God, that God appears to be punitive, always uh, uh, judging, bringing judgment. And it appears that suffering is springing from him. But what we don't understand is God and his holiness is to us as the sun is to our flesh. You see, the sun is quite a distance from earth. But if we were to gaze at the sun, it would destroy our sight. If we were to lay in the sun at high noon for a few hours, it would affect our skin. We would be sunburned. If we were in in, in a spaceship and approaching the sun at a certain distance, we would be consumed. The sun in and of itself is not evil. The sun is just being what it is, a ball of fire, creating heat and giving life, as it were, sustaining life. It is being what it is. And so, too, with God and his holiness— It's not that he's punitive, it's just that he's holy. And anything that is uh, ill-equipped to remain in his presence would just simply be consumed. We couldn't stand in the presence of God unless we were sheltered. We were in a dwelling place that could sustain the intensity and enormity and uh, depth, breadth, and height of his holiness. And we are talking about these terms as though we have a clear understanding of it, and we don't. And Moses says, we are consumed by his anger and by his fury. When we see it, we're troubled. There are times that we read in the Old Testament of those who have been consumed by the anger of God. Think of some of the enemies of Israel that came against them, against the kings, and they were defeated. They were consumed. And we're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 at the very nation of Israel and, and how they were consumed in the wilderness. 
And Moses continues by saying that God has set our iniquities before him. Our secret sins are laid bare by his countenance. And when we think of the verse that we opened with, teaching us to number our days that we may acquire a wise heart, while in view of who God is, the attributes that are being displayed, his eternality, his immutability, his holiness. What are we supposed to do with this? And what we are, our motives, our thoughts, our actions, our words, are they're not a secret thing to God. They're laid bare. He sees us through and through. And Moses says when we evaluate what we are in view of who God is, our days pass away more often than not being consumed by his wrath, his holiness. The sun is intense in all its heat and fire and it just burns continually. And when we are in the presence of holiness, we are made aware of what we are. And for many people, this is uncomfortable. We spend the majority of our lives running away from God because the thought of his holiness we find abrasive. We are uncomfortable. Whereas, Moses says, the generations that passed, they made this God, this holy God, their dwelling place. And perhaps the only way that we could find ourselves sustaining the thought of who God is is to remain in his presence. Then Moses begins to set limits now on our days versus God's days. So someone, a being that is eternal, that exists from eternity to eternity, has no days. He's not subject to time. But we are subject to time. We're given perhaps 70 years, and if we are physically strong, 80 years. And our strength becomes perhaps the one variable that determines how long we're going to live. But look at what he says concerning us. that our time is spent in labor and vanity. In verse 10, the days of our years are threescore and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet their pride is labor and vanity. The one thing we can glory about is our lives are filled with the laboriousness of this life. We have to work. We have to feed ourselves, raise our families, educate our children, battle with illness, battle with political change, battle with 
natural disasters. And there's a constant flux of change, decay, death, dying, loss of loved ones. And our lives are peppered with constant changing circumstances, sometimes changing loved ones. Uh, children may go astray. Spouses may go astray. Families might be in upheaval. Our lives are peppered with labor and vanity. We are, as it were, chasing the wind. We are pursuing something that when just when we think we've obtained it, it slips through our fingers, as Solomon said, like chasing the wind. But if we were to step back and ask ourselves, how do we extricate ourselves from this roller coaster? We become like gerbils on a treadmill, expending so much energy, but seemingly making no progress. And so now we come to Moses' exhortation. And I want to say this, and, and it, it, it behooves us to, to go, if you will, if, if you have a Bible, you can go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10. And here we have uh, a brief vignette of the life of the nation of Israel through the years that they wandered. And he said that our fathers passed under the cloud and passed through the sea, that is the Red Sea, and, and were baptized unto Moses and, uh, in the cloud and in the sea. And they ate the manna and uh, drank from the spiritual drink, the rock which followed them. And he says in the fifth verse or thereabouts that the rock which followed them was the Christ. Yet God was not pleased with the most of them, and they were strewed in the desert. They died in the desert. Why? Because they became examples of what happens when we pursue things that are evil, things that are outside the scope of God's holiness. There are consequences, like approaching the sun and being ill-prepared to withstand its heat, its fire. And uh, Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, began to uh, delineate the variety of, of behaviors that cost the nation. And we see, when we were to go back to Numbers, that only two men, well, Numbers and Deuteronomy, but two men made it into the land of promise, Caleb and and Joshua. And people would say, well, God is punitive. No. <laughs> what we have forgotten is that God is holy. He's unchanging. This will never change. And so the people forgot that God was holy. And when the judgment was executed, that is, that they would be doomed to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until the entire generation that was 20 and older who ascribed evil to the land that God had 
ascribed good, who refused to enter because of stubbornness and unbelief and rebellion. They were doomed to wander in the desert for 40 years until they all died except Caleb and Joshua. And here, my friend, is the exhortation. While they were in the wilderness, what they should have done is from the day the judgment was pronounced, they should have begun to number how many days they have left until they died, and having obtained that number, to adjust their living, their speech, their uh, motives, actions, thoughts, to align with the fact that I have a limited number of days and I need to live in such a way that God and his holiness is honored. Why? Because I am now wandering in a desert doomed to die because I forgot one thing about God, one characteristic that was noteworthy and I disregarded it. And what it is, is God is holy. Holy. And to disregard his holiness subjects me to making grave errors in my conduct, in my speech, in my thoughts, and every other factor of my living. As I was meditating on this scripture, for several days, I decided to apply this. And I won't tell you my age, but I, uh, I'll give you a hint. I projected 30 years out from the point at which I was pondering this verse to teach us, teach me to number my days. And I came up with approximately 10,950 days if I lived to be 90 before I died. Now, that's just my target. <laughs> and You might say, well, I want to live to be 100 or I don't want to live to be 80 or whatever the choice may be. But here's my, my appeal to you. Do the math. And calculate, if you lived to whatever date you determined you would like to live, multiply by the number of days in the year what you have left. And what begins to happen is you begin to look at every day as sacred. You begin to count down to the end. And what I found happening in my own heart and mind and life is I began to look at every action done that day, every activity, asking myself if today is the last day or the one of a limited set of days, how best to live today to the glory of God. I have a limited number of days, and it behooves me as a Christian 
to make sure that I'm taking full advantage of today so that, as Paul mentions in in his writings to the church at Corinth, that I must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And if God is holy, I ought to pass my time of sojourn in reverence, in fear. In fact, Peter says this. In his first letter to the church, Christians, that is, scattered throughout Asia Minor. He says, be holy as I am holy. And if you invoke as father him who, without regard of persons, judges according to the work of each, pass the time of your sojourn in fear, in reverence, live purposefully knowing that you and I have a limited number of days, and every day that passes, I have one less day. And if I'm going to live successfully, and by that I mean living with God as my dwelling place, as the one to whom I come and settle my mind, settle my heart, settle the purpose for my living, my existence, and determined to use today for his glory. Why? Because he is the eternal God, I must stand before him. I have eternal life through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But am I living my days in reverence? Am I passing the time in reverence? knowing that God is holy. He is unchanging. This is a characteristic, an attribute that will never be altered. And so Moses says to the people of God, teach me, teach me to number my days. Teach me. Oh, my dear friend, we ought to be mindful of the fact that we are in need of an understanding heart that God by his Spirit might teach us to number our days. Do the math. If you were to live to be 80 years old, between now and 80 years of age, how many days do you have left? And put that If you keep a journal every day, note it in your journal. I keep an electronic journal. It's on my cell phone. And every day I see the number is beginning to dwindle. How have I used today? Have I lived for the glory of God? Or have I lived to myself, my interests? Have I lived as though I were a a blade of grass that is cut down cut away from the source, and now I'm just withering miserably in discontent? Or am I in the presence of the one who is eternal, immutable, holy, and making that place that is Beside still waters, in the presence of God, have I made that my dwelling place?
God is great. He's infinite. He's holy. And this juxtaposes him to all that is finite, passing, unholy. And I ask you, if God is your dwelling place, how many days do you have left to enjoy his sacred presence? So teach us, teach me to number my days that I might acquire a wise heart. Let me say this in closing, my friend. Sometimes we do foolishly. We use our lives, our time foolishly. We squander precious time that cannot be redeemed. And yet we are exhorted to redeem the time. Snatch it back. Buy it back. How do I buy it back? How do I redeem the time? Before you go to bed tonight, I exhort you to do the math. And if you want to be 70, if you want to live to 70 years of age or 80 or 90, calculate how many days do I have left given a 365 day year time frame. And every day, I challenge you every day, look at the day and the amount of those days diminishing and ask yourself, have I lived to the glory of God? Have I lived in view of his holiness? Have I passed the time of my sojourn in reverence? My friend, we are enjoying the time in God's presence, as we call it, dwelling beside still waters. But these times are intended to encourage and exhort us to make the presence of God our dwelling place, our sacred place, the place of the altar, the place of the closet, as Matthew chapter 6 uh, identifies by the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything else that we pursue is transient. It will pass. And if we have time at the end of the days that we've numbered, would to God that we can look back and rejoice that we have made good use of that time. We've redeemed the time. We've made uh, we've caused ourselves, if you will, to prosper in things that are from above. Oh, my friend, I hope your heart would be encouraged to make God your dwelling place. I hope that you would take courage to number your days and do exactly as Moses says, Number our days that we might apply our hearts to wisdom, that we might acquire a wise heart. You know, I, I think uh, to myself in closing that people that waste time, that waste their lives, never really took time 
to think about the fact that it's a finite amount of days. And now, while they are at the end, they have so much regret. Why? Because they didn't apply themselves wisely. Like the ant that stores up during the warm weather because it knows winter is coming and it's taking full advantage of sunlight and warmth to gather as much as it could in preparation for the cold days that are coming. My friends, there are days coming when we will end our race at the judgment seat of Christ. We will be in the presence of infinite holiness, and we will have had opportunity at that point to look back at the day you heard this podcast when you were exhorted to number your days. And I am trusting that by God's grace, you will have embraced the challenge so that you and I as well might acquire a wise heart. Oh, may God help us to do so as we endeavor once again to dwell in His presence beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.